0: The Baptist preacher I told you about sounded a whole lot like a Church of God preacher in most of the things that he said. There were some things that were not true, but we recognize that. But you know, there's still some people out there in sectarianism who have a good concept of the Bible. And we have to acknowledge that, of course, for what it is. He was holding a tent meeting somewhere in Texas and he told everybody the night before to bring their Bibles. He urged everybody to bring their Bibles to meeting. He loved to hear the pages ripple by. Well, I can understand how he feels because everything that we believe and the way we desire to live and walk is in here. It's laid out for us, so it's important that we read along with it, with us. So if you can read this morning, turn to Luke, the second chapter. We won't quite be like the old fellow that didn't have much education who said concerning the King James Version of the Bible, he says, the King James Version is the only, only one I ever read and the only one I ever preach from because if it was good enough for Paul, it was good enough for me. Well, Paul lived a long time before King James, but you didn't quite understand that. Jesus was a little boy at one time. He was a little baby, and then he grew up to be a boy and then a man. We're going to find out a little bit about that this morning in chapter 2 and 1. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Well, that wasn't the whole world, because the whole world was not even discovered yet. It wasn't even the whole Roman world, which only existed around the Mediterranean area. Or the Roman Empire as such. The tax was centered around the area where the people lived, and the taxing was first made by Serenus, who was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. They all had to go back to their own hometown, the county seat, or it would be the county seat here, but back there they had to all go to the town that they were born. Uh, to be taxed with Mary is a spouse wife being great with child. Did you know that Mary didn't have to go Only Joseph had to go. That's all that mattered. But in order to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, Mary went along. See how the Lord worked everything out? And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, the inns back there were a whole lot different than the motels and the Howard Johnsons and the Holiday Inns are today. Uh, They're crowded with all kinds of um, characters or people. But back there, the inns were strictly a place where people would come and stay. And they would pay a little bit, and they crowded them in there, packed them in there like sardines and... and, um, They paid their little bit and everybody was taken care of without a whole lot of trouble. Except they got there too late and there were no reservations for them. They didn't send ahead on the telecommunications for reservations because they didn't have any. They were poor people. Joseph and Mary were poor. We'll find out later why and why we know that they were poor. So there was no room in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Did you know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th? He couldn't have been born in December because the sheep were still out in the fields. And they were taken in from the fields before December. In fact, right around October is when they brought them in. So they were keeping the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night to keep the wolves and the other creatures from taking their sheep. Each one would stand three, three hours a night. They had several people out there. One would stand three hours, and then you'd go to sleep, and another one three hours. But Jesus was probably born before October was over. Now, we aren't going to go back and change it from December 25th, just because we know this is true. The whole world celebrates Christmas on December 25th, and there's not a whole lot we can do about it. But we need to know the truth about it. We're always seeking after truth. We don't care what the world thinks about it or what they establish. We want to know what is true for our own self, for our own sake. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Well, I suppose they would be. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, you know, they thought maybe judgment was coming on them. That God was sending judgment, and they were scared to death. Probably all, all the bad things on their conscience. But he said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just the Jews, everybody. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The Revised Version says, Peace among men in whom he is well pleased, or peace among men of goodwill. Well, anyway, you look at it, it was an astounding revelation and announcement, waited for so long of the history of the Jews, and now it was coming to pass. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Let's go see what's going on over there. Let's take the straightest path, the brother said, to the place where all of this is happening. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now they took over the whole stable area there. And there was a manger, a place where they, where they, I think they fed the animals from there. Well, they cleared that out and laid Jesus in there. Just a little baby boy came into the world, a little baby boy. Took on a human nature just like you and I. And the writer said that God was with us in the person of His Son. Jesus came, one of the reasons Jesus came into the world was to reveal what God was like. We know the main reason was that He should die and rise again to be our Savior, but He also, while He was here, showed us what God was really like. And we have it all written down here. And so, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they had heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. They went out right away and became the first heralds of the gospel. And Adam Clark made a very interesting statement in commenting on this verse. He said, Oh, what would the damned in hell give for those moments in which the living hear of salvation? had they the same possibility of receiving it. What would the damned in hell give? If they just had a few moments, they'd flock to the altar, confess and forsake their sins and miss hell. But no, they don't have those moments. They had them, but they pilfered them away and fooled around with their time and with their soul, and now they have no moments anymore to hear. They're damned in hell forever and have nothing anymore to do with this world. Maybe they're thinking if only I would be back there for a little while I'd do something about my soul. kind of think that's what would be what it'd be like. But then you think God gave them all kinds of opportunities while they were here and living. And they didn't do anything about it then. And then it was too late. They went around heralding it. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. And when eight eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus, or Joshua, or a Deliverer, was his name and what it meant. The name Christ means the Anointed One. So when the days of a purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it was written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man, Well, stop there. They gave uh, those people that had means and were well off, could give sheep or lambs as a sacrifice. But the people that were poor still had to offer something. And what were they allowed to offer? A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. One was the a sacrifice, the sin offering, and the other was um, an offering for, I'm not sure what it was, but they had to give a pair because one was offered for sin and the other for something else. I can't remember. And so the poor people gave those things and they were poor. Adam Clark said that Jesus lifted up Poverty or made poverty a little better for everyone by going through it himself. He was a poor man. There was a poor family that he came from. They didn't have wealth. They worked hard and didn't have very much. Because all they could offer was a couple little doves for Jesus. But there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Well, there was a lot of people named Simeon in Jerusalem, but this man was something special. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the (coughs) consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Lord told him in his mind that he would see Jesus before he died. And you know that God just doesn't tell anybody and everybody that sort of thing. He had to be somebody special to God. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. He figured that as soon as he had seen Jesus like the Lord had said, then he was going to drop over dead. And it was just as well as far as he was concerned to drop over dead because now he had seen the Lord's Christ. But I'm sure he lived a little while after that. I don't believe the Lord does things like that all the time. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. How could he know that when he's just got a little baby in his arms? Well, he understood The Old Testament, and he loved the Lord, and God revealed to him that this was the Messiah. And so he gave a little speech here, and said, Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul, soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asherah, was of a great was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, that's 84 years, which departed not from the temple but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. She practically lived there. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned out of Galilee into their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. You know, you can be thankful if you're brought up in a home where Jesus is worshipped, where God is worshipped, and Jesus is adored. There are so many homes that are godless and Christless, and filled up with all kinds of worldliness, worldly talk, and worldly dress, and worldly ambitions, there is hardly any thought of God. My wife and I were driving to a meeting this morning, and we were thinking about our city and what kind of shape it's in. You know, this is a pretty nice place to live for the most part, but you know, in a spiritual sense, it is not. This city is filled with people who have no thought of God whatsoever. They don't care about the Bible or the uh, the gospel. They don't care about spiritual things. Their whole life is lived for the flesh and its gratification. I have neighbors like that, and you do too. And where where you work, there are people like that. It's a very religious town. It's full of uh, religion, and most of it is deader than a doornail. When you talk to them about live and real uh, religion, uh, salvation, and all that we believe, it sounds strange to them. We're a bunch of fanatics. And here we are, as normal as we can be. To be saved, to be born of the Spirit, to walk with God, to live for God, is the most normal thing that you can do in your life. The abnormal thing is to live without God in most of the homes in our city, uh, are like that. No wonder the children who have to go to school 1100 uh, 1,100 hours a year, they come from a godless home. They go to a godless school. They have godless friends and godless atmosphere throughout their whole life. How in the world do you think that they're ever going to find God unless you and I tell them? Somebody had to tell me and you. We don't have to grow up to be able to tell it. Children can tell it too. Jesus grew up in a home where God was worshipped. It was a uh, spiritual home. The Bible, uh, as much as they had, was taught continually in their home and in their school. Uh, They were a little different than uh, we have here. They, They had their own school like we would like to have. And they taught them everything about God. And so he grew up and he waxed strong in spirit. I'm sure Jesus was an intelligent boy. And, and uh, he was uh, well-mannered and, and obedient to his parents. And, and he was, of course, spiritually minded. And filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. That favor and approbation of God was upon him. And now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast you see the 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 children or the the men had to go up to Jerusalem at least 3 times a year that's why the muslims they have rules where they have to go to mecca at least once a year or once in their lifetime they have to go up to the holy places Well, the Jews had to go up there, and so they took Jesus along. He was 12 years old. And what kind of a boy was Jesus at 12 years old? What kind of 12-year-olds today do we have, some of them? Smoking cigarettes? Pot? Smoking this pot, or whatever it is, marijuana? Marijuana? Some of them even drinking beer and other things. Did you know that by the time children are 18 years old today, they have watched 22,000 hours of television? Average. 22,000 hours being molded by that thing. It's fascinating the things that go before your eyes, A panoramic view of the whole corrupt world goes by. And every day they got something new. And they're trying to mold your life and your thinking. And so we come along and we invite you to Sunday school, children, and we invite and you come to meeting and you learn the truth about God and about life, and something down inside your little heart says, that is true, that is real, that's what I want. That's why we're glad that you keep coming back because you don't learn what is true in school. You don't learn what is true from ungodly parents. You don't learn what is true from the television set. All of it is a fantasy world Propped up to make you believe something that is not true. And so children pattern themselves after what they see and what they're surrounded by. And if you can see that when we talk to you about the Bible and about God and about Christ, you'll be able to realize that these things that we tell you are going to be good for you the rest of your life and out into eternity. And so, when they returned, fulfilled their days as they are supposed to, they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. She probably thought that he was with his uh, his stepfather and, and the men, and he probably thought that he was with his mother and the women. But they weren't either one. Supposing that he had been in a company and went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsmen and acquaintance and when they found him not they turned back again to jerusalem and seeking him and it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors both hearing them and asking them questions are you curious when you come to sunday school when you come to church are you curious about these things that we teach do you have an inquiring mind or do you have an inquiring mind about the world? And when you're at school and when you're with your friends and all of that, uh, are you more curious about what's going on out there in the world than you are what's going on when we teach you from the Bible? You know, I like to see children. Children are curious about a whole lot of things. Well, use your curiosity to find out about God. Why did God say this? Why did Jesus do that? Ask questions. Children are full of questions, and we got the answers right here. You go to school, and, and uh, you have questions, and they'll give you answers, but it's not the truth all the time. Your friends will give you answers, but it isn't the truth all the time. Be curious. It's all right, but about things that really matter. Jesus was curious. He sat there and asked the preachers sitting in the temple in the midst of the doctors both hearing them and asking them questions Uh, they were the supposed teachers and he was the student but it was the other way around with Jesus he was asking the questions of them and they were trying to give the answers and and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers oh we know that Jesus was the most brilliant boy that ever lived person that ever lived We know that because of who he was, he understood all things. Even as a little boy, as he was growing up, God was filling his mind with a whole lot of things that uh, even the brightest of scholars don't even know. And they all heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father... And I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished you not I must be about my father's business? She said, Your father, and I've been looking for you. And then he turned around and he said, I'm about my father's business. Well, his father was a carpenter. That wasn't, that's what, he wasn't talking about his earthly father. He was talking about his heavenly father. And he understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. Jesus was a spiritual child. He had spiritual curiosity. He was brought up, I understand and know, in a, in a godly home where you're not. But nevertheless, you are accountable for what you hear and what we tell you from the Word of God that is true. You are accountable in spite of what your parents do. And you have to stand before God as well as they do. And you can use your brain and your will and your heart to come to God and come to Jesus even if they don't. Because the sins of the fathers shall not be passed upon the children Nor shall the fathers be responsible for the children's sin. Every person is responsible for themselves when they reach the age of accountability. That's why children can get saved and walk with God while their parents do not. Or vice versa. Parents can be saved and walk with God and their children do not. Because it's an individual matter. And when God speaks to an individual, He requires it of an individual. Let's go over to chapter 4 and 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and being forty days tempted of the devil. Why would the devil tempt Jesus? Because he had a human nature. There's no way in the world that he could have tempted Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit anywhere else but here on earth. We know that Jesus was God on earth, but he had a human nature like you and I. And because he had a human nature, the devil tried to tempt him and appeal to his human nature. The difference between a human nature and a perverted nature is the difference between a saint and a sinner. When when our human nature, which is corrupt from our birth, eventually causes us to transgress God's law, then it becomes a perverted nature. Then it can no longer be counted on. But it, it it seeks to gratify the fleshly desires which are contrary to God. But when we get cleaned up and get filled with the Holy Spirit, our human nature then is again like God intended it to be, like Jesus was. The only difference between He and, uh, and us is that he was God, and we're not. And we're not little gods either. We're human beings who have been cleansed by the blood of Christ and no longer desire the things that we did when we had a perverted nature. So, because of his human nature, the devil said to him, If thou be the Son of God, try to make him believe that he wasn't. <laughs> if you are, putting doubt in his mind. Command this stone that it be made bread. Bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So that put an end to that one. And so the devil, taking him up in a high mountain, showed him unto all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for what is delivered to me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. How did Jesus answer that? Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. He answered them with the word of God. If Jesus had to do that, see how important it is for us? So all these little talks called sermons everywhere, where they start out with a scripture and forget it, the rest of the message, and go on with their little stories, and their jokes and whatever have you, Uh, the devil just laughs at that. But Jesus said, it is written, it is written. He took his own word and stuck it in the devil's face. And that's what you and I have to do. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, oh, the devil, you know, he never gives up. Jesus blasted him in the face twice with the word and he still kept going. He doesn't give up. He hasn't got enough sense. He'll just keep coming back, trying to wear you and I down until we say, well, what's the use? I'm going back. If thou be the Son of God, trying to cast doubt again, cast thyself down from hence. Why? Because it is written, now he took the Word of God. He's going to give it back to Jesus. The old preacher I heard that I've been telling you about said that when the devil came to Jesus, he said, uh, in effect, well, we're just going to find out right now who's boss. And here we're finding it out. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. See, the devil knows scripture. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. He even knew it by heart. And Jesus answering him said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. There's another word. When the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed for him from him for a season, just for a little while. But he always comes back. If you live to be a hundred years old, he'll still be coming back. And when you lay on your deathbed and ready to go out into eternity, he'll be standing right there trying to get you yet. Because that's the kind of evil being that he is. But if you live for God all your life and you're ready to die in the faith, And you're saved when you're ready to die. You can just laugh in his face and go right out there into glory. Jesus answering said, thou shalt not tempt. And so he left for a while. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. See, uh, the offense of the cross hadn't started yet. So they let him come to the church and preach. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for it to read. Did you know they never sat down when they read the Bible back there? When they talked about it, they sat down, but whenever anybody read it, they stood up. That was their custom. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and it was probably the lesson for that Saturday, so he just took it up from there. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Did you ever notice that it's poor people that are more ready to hear than the rich? As soon as you start telling a rich person about the gospel and what the Lord requires of them, all of this (laughs) property and material things and, and this wealth and this, affluent living is going around in their head. You mean I would have to give up that maybe in order to do this? Forget it. That's about how fast they think of it. So the gospel is preached to poor people. Aren't you glad you're poor? What if you were rich like some of my neighbors? The wealthy doctor next door buys anything he wants to. And uh, the Jewish man, a couple of doors away, he, uh, he's got plenty of money, just a young fellow. And, uh, and the banker down on the end of the row, uh, the cul-de-sac, he's well off. And, and uh, the fellow I grew up with that goes to the Pentecostal church, he's well off. And He was poor at one time. But he listened to false religion but the spirit is upon the lord so that he can preach the gospel to the poor so it isn't always so bad that you're poor in fact it may be to your everlasting good that you don't have much of this world's goods you know there were a lot of people in the depression that came to god i was just a little three-year-old boy four or five-year-old boy then um, and hardly anybody had any money and a lot of people came to god I mean, the Lord just stripped a whole lot of people of money during the, the Great Depression of 1929 uh, and on into the 30s. And, and there weren't a, a whole lot of people that had any more money, and the churches were full of people. It was only when the country became affluent and the wars came along and, and the wealth came on that people forsook the churches in order to have uh, the good life, they called it. So be glad in a sense that you don't have a whole lot. Because, you know, the Lord said, I would that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you can prosper and still walk with God, but for the most part, people don't. To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. How many people are brokenhearted? They had such a tough road to go that they just kind of give up and say, Oh, what's the use? I don't care anymore. It's too hard for me. They have, they're brokenhearted. Well, the Lord came to heal brokenhearted people. And to preach deliverance to the captives. There are some people that no way, shape, or form can get up and come down to an altar and cry out to God. Just can't seem to be able to do it. For whatever reason. Well, that person needs deliverance because he's held captive to a, uh, an upbringing of their life, to the, their mental disposition or pride, or whatever goes on in a person's life. They just seem to be held back by something, and they need to be delivered. And that's what he came to do, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so he closed the book, and he gave it to the minister, and sat down, and all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue you're fixed on him and he began to say unto them this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears and all that bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and he said is this not this joseph's son who is this fellow we know him his dad lives here his dad's a carpenter uh what's he doing out here uh And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself, whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Serapta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many leopards were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, or uh, uh, in uh, Elisha this is, and none of them were cleansed save Naaman the Syrian. And all they did in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. Man, they must have had some kind of meetings, huh? They all got mad at him. Well, like one brother said, I would that you either get mad or glad, but don't just just sit there and do nothing. And you know something? That was the way it was with Jesus. They either loved Him or they hated Him. They never took, took Him for granted. And I don't know, people just don't get mad or glad anymore. Just sit there looking around, like the brother said. Well, I would that somebody get mad at me or get glad at me one way or the other, but I, I don't just like to be taken for granted, especially when I'm preaching about something so vital to everyone's soul as this. And they were filled with wrath, and they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill wherein their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. Boy, there were some bad folks, weren't there, in that church. They were going to take Jesus and throw him over a hill. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. He just shut their minds off and went on. And he came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished that his doctrine for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know that who thee who thou art, the Holy One of God, the devils were talking. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out in every place of the country round about. And he rose up out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. That's Peter. And Simon's wife, his mother was taken with a great fever and they besought him for her. A great fever. She must have had about 106 maybe. This was Peter's mother-in-law. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and had left her and immediately she arose and ministered unto him. And now when the sun was setting all that had any sick with divers, which means many diseases, brought them unto him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Why do we believe in divine healing? Because Jesus healed. And he told us what to do about healing. And so when we get sick, what do we do? We do what he said. That's all he ever told. He told the disciples to go out and heal people. And he said, when I'm gone, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you do everything that I did. And not only that, but you're going to do it everywhere in the world, except in this little place where I'm at. So you don't have to worry about getting sick, you don't have to worry about uh, hospital and doctor bills, from what I've been reading in the paper, the, the, the cost of being sick is astronomical. To go to a hospital, the old preacher said uh, years ago, uh, down there in that county in Texas, the, uh, uh, nobody ever went to the doctor. Uh, went to the hospital, I mean, they had doctors, and they said the doctors believed in God and were very compassionate, would come out to the house. said they didn't need any psychiatrists either, he said. There were two things that they didn't need in that county, and that was psychiatrists and veterinarians, and none of them could spell either one. <laughs> and so, he said, it wasn't until people began to get educated that they went crazy. <laughs> and he said that Uh, There was no such thing as psychiatrists, they didn't need any. When the horse got sick, they had home remedies, so they took care of that. They didn't go to the hospital to be born because, uh, well, he said uh, he didn't go to the hospital to be born because he wanted to be close to his mother. (laughs) Well, I thought that's a pretty good reason. Uh, And why why am I saying that? Because of what Jesus did. He did it back there, and he still does it today. And so devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him, and he came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for there am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. You know, when Jesus comes to you and to your house, you want him to stay, don't you? The persons that don't want the ministers of the gospel or the gospel workers to come to their house and want them to go on their way, they're missing a whole lot. But when Jesus comes to you and you get a real experience of salvation, you want him to stay. You don't want him to go. You want him to stay and tell you all these wonderful things that he's, and promises that he has made. And we got it all in here, the promises that he has made. And they just didn't die a long time ago. They're still just as good today as they were when he made them. And let's believe that with all of our hearts.